The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bible, would you open to John chapter 1? Today's a big day. Does anybody know why? Because we're in John chapter 1. No, what are, what are some reasons why this is a big day? Soup. Somebody said the Super Bowl. Do you guys watch football in this church? Does anybody like football still? No? Everybody stopped. You just gave up. You're like, over it. Jumped the shark. Over it. Once it was, uh, once the, uh, the Chiefs were out, you guys were like, I don't even bother at this point. Forget it. Not interested. Yeah, so today is uh, the big game, the super game. I can't say it. They'll charge me. They'll send me a royalty. Uh, I'll get canceled for saying Super Bowl. I'm not allowed to say that apparently on TV. Uh, and we're online now, so... Uh, one more thing to be canceled about. Anyway, uh, it's a big game. And so some of you are going to be having people at your house, chicken wings and food and snacks and watching the game. Some of you are not. I just want to say thank you to all of you who rolled up into church on Super Bowl Sunday because I have gotten these excuses for years now. People are like, wish I could make it. I'm hosting a party. I got to get stuff ready. I'm like, it's at six o'clock, people. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Seriously. We have two services. You could have made it. Well, you guys made it. So give yourselves a hand. You went to church on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, it's exciting for me because somebody mentioned it already, but today is halfway Sunday. One year ago, this weekend, we as a church participated in an offering called the One Life Initiative to expand our campus, to make a larger adult sanctuary and dedicate this original facility for the use of our children, which is gonna allow us to avoid service after service after service after service and grow to a place where we can gain the momentum we need to become a church planting church. And so we set out to kind of do the impossible at a juncture when everybody said it was the wrong time. It was right in the middle of the COVID pandemic and everyone was saying, why in the world would you try to do some type of building campaign or a fundraiser in the middle of this climate? Political instability and economic decline. It seemed like a bad time, but we felt like God was saying, it's all about the perspective that he wants us to have. And when we looked into the future, we felt like this was what God was calling us to do. And so one year ago, our church family made a momentous offering like that we have never done before. Many of us wrote the biggest check we had ever written and committed to a monthly support beyond our regular giving for 24 months. And today we are 12 months through those 24 months. So speaking of impossible prayers, I am excited to give you a bit of an update about what has been happening. Now, if you were here and this is your first Sunday and you're like, I came on building Sunday update. Are you serious? And that can feel awkward for you. Sometimes it's like being invited onto a blind date and then your date is like, can we pick out curtains for the nursery? <laughs> You're like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. So I just want you to know that uh, if you're a guest, we're glad you're here. It's a little atypical. Uh, if you were here last week and I was not here, that was atypical, this is atypical. We hope you come back next week and then just stay forever after that. However, uh, this is a, a big deal for us and it's, it's about... It's not about something we want from you, especially if you're here as our guest. We are doing this literally for you. We started doing this knowing that you would be here and more people like you will be here in the future. And I don't know if you noticed or not, but it's getting a little full in here. And we still have almost half of our congregation following online. And so as people return to church in person, we're gonna run out of room. And you guys know church is full when you touch elbows with someone you didn't drive with. That's how you know church is full, right? This is not like opening night at the theater or going to the race or the game where you have your assigned seat. You're like, I don't wanna touch any other people. <laughs> and so we're already over full. So 
we're preparing to be able to add a third service to make room for people, but we can't do that indefinitely. And so we set out to expand our facility and we set some lofty goals. And this morning, I wanna give you a little bit of an update. But before we get to the details, I wanna draw your attention to what it's all about. And so John chapter one and verse one, let's read it together. John one, verses one to four. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. God, we thank you for your word that has been read in our hearing. God, these few sentences have the power to transform people's eternity. God, these few sentences have directed our attention to stretch our faith and to give generously and sacrificially to make room for people who are not yet here and who right now don't care. And I thank you, God, that you are doing a miracle in us. And I thank you, God, that you are eager to do a miracle for us. And so on behalf of myself and my friends and everyone present on site and online, Holy Spirit, we invite you to open our eyes to see Jesus, to broaden our perspective, to increase our faith. Would you, would you prepare the soil of our hearts and deposit the seed of your word? And would you bring fruitfulness into our lives and through us to be a blessing to the world around us? God, we thank you that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. And we thank you for the life we have in Jesus and for the one life that we have to live and that one life that we are seeking to reach week after week, day after day, as we mobilize to be who you've called us to be. Speak to us now, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. This verse, John chapter one and verse four, was the theme verse for the One Life Initiative. If you were there a year ago, I read it every week, preached on it for five Sundays, we had this big momentous uh, offering that we made and then we celebrated what the results were. Some of the results was the, the biggest offering we've ever had as a church, uh, the kickoff offering, and then the commitments, uh, uh, 24 month commitments, 12 months through We Are Which Now. Now this was, a, this was a generosity initiative. This was a building campaign. This was us being generous to build, to build something bigger, but this was not primarily about that. This was an opportunity for us to grow in our faith and to develop uh, our spiritual life with God through this act of giving. I mentioned this week after week after week last year that the purpose of the One Life Initiative was to engage our faith and to inspire sacrificial generosity to fulfill Jesus' mission. I don't know if you're aware or not, but we don't, we don't become um, generous people aside from outward influence. Maybe that's from parents or people that love you, but there's typically, we're, we're born a little selfish. And the older we get, the more selfish we get, unless we work on it, unless there's some outside influence. But God is in the business of radical transformation and he is a generous God. And as you know him and experience his generosity, he transforms your heart to not only entrust everything you have to his care, to turn over all of your assets and to see yourself as a steward, but also to reflect his nature and character as a generous person. 
And so this is part of the miracle that God does, but he does it as we engage our faith through obedience. And so in this initiative, we were challenging ourselves to trust God more and engage our faith and to give generosity for other people. Do you know the Church of Jesus is the only organization on the planet that exists for its non-members? Do you know that? We're literally doing all of this for the people who aren't in church this morning. Do you know that? Because there was a day when, like my son from two weeks ago, was saying, is it over yet? (laughs) How many of us were dragged to church reluctantly by committed parents? You know, like we're doing this for people who don't want to be here, but who need what God wants to give them. And so this is a spiritual exercise. Jesus' mission here is to freely give his eternal life to all and to transform our community one life at a time. And there's no other way uh, to do that than to mimic God's generosity and giving eternal life than for us to give so that other people can have an encounter with God and experience that good news for himself. And so we had these three goals in the One Life Initiative. We did wanna build uh, a bigger adult worship space and then to renovate this old space for the use of our children. So we want to build a huge kid's wing that, that's like Disney World in terms of design and just punchy and fun and keeps them coming back and interested. And so we want to get out of their way and make room for them. So we have this two-phased approach. Um, our goal was kind of arbitrarily set based on what we thought things might cost at $2 million. We knew that if we had raised $1.35 million, then we would have enough money to be able to move forward immediately. And if we could raise $3.35 million, we'd be able to pay cash for everything we wanted to do and have zero debt. We are not anti-debt, but we are anti-perpetual debt. Can I get amen? It's one thing to borrow. It's another thing to never pay it off. And so, and so we wanted to see what God would do. The biggest thing we were looking for, though, was 100% participation. Didn't matter how big the offering was. The number really didn't matter. What we wanted to see is that every person that called Christ Church home believed in this vision, this mission enough to be able to give in some way a meaningful, sacrificial, generous gift and everybody participate. And so that's really what we were setting as success. We had no idea what we'd be able to do. And then a year ago, we had Celebration Sunday. The offerings were all counted and we came to tell everybody. And of course, nobody cared about anything but the big number. Do you remember that? I stretched it out too for a long sermon. I made you guys wait and wait and wait and wait. All those sermons are available. But um, most importantly, we did have 100% engagement. Not only that, but we actually had over 100% engagement based on our giving units. Oh, you guys can clap. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Based on our our regular givers, we were expecting 100% to be 122 unique contributors to One Life. And we had 143 at kickoff Sunday. We had people sending money from Maryland, Michigan, Missouri, all the M states. (laughs) People that had never been in the building before saying, I've been, my friends told me at COVID about your church. We've been following the services online. We feel like we're apart. We don't live there. We're not coming, but we believe in what you're doing. Here's $10,000 to be a part of it. We're like, what is going on here? So literally everybody on site, people from all over the place we weren't expecting. And so the support just continued to flood in. The second thing was we did see what we could measure as meaningful, sacrificial generosity. Um, The average gift for 24 months was over $6,000, which is an enormous amount of money per giving family to be an average. Some people obviously can give a lot. Some people can only give a little, but when you average that out, it happened to be over $6,000. That's incredible. And then 
The other thing was, and the, the, we worked with a consultant and the consultant told us, you have to be careful. You have to make sure you explain this to people because um, what'll happen is you'll do this building campaign, this generosity initiative, and people will contribute to it. But what they'll do is they'll just take their regular giving and they'll just call it this instead. And so you will see your giving go down. And so you have to explain that to everybody. And that didn't like ring in my head like a thing that could happen, but apparently it's happened enough that they tell people that. And so we went into this expecting that that might happen, but the, actually the opposite happened. We never saw a dip in our regular support. And in fact, last year, our, our giving increased by 22% in the middle of the pandemic. Can you believe that? And so we saw people engaged in faithful support of their local church giving on top of that and people from places that were unexpected. And so we saw those three um, measurements of spiritual transformation. Now, the total campaign figure, they told us that a church our size with our level of income could expect a, vic a victory goal would be 500,000. If a church our size could raise 500,000, that, that would be successful. And they said, if you have four, five, six people who can write six-figure checks, you could expect to see even a million. Now, we had zero six-figure checks, although we are still open. <laughs> so the account's still viable. Um, we had zero six-figure. Our biggest gift was right at $50,000. We had a few that were in the 2030 range, but we had so many $10,000 gifts that it pushed us to $860,000 on kickoff Sunday. Isn't that amazing? It's just incredible. Without the kind of enormous support that would be expected, we got very, very, very close. Now, I told you, um, back when I announced the celebration number and we all cheered, that's awesome. I let everybody know that what I'm looking for is spiritual growth, not stagnation. And the, the consultants also told us to expect that of your, the, the kickoff money is just there. People wrote these big checks and it was all there. It was about 40% of the total offering. And the rest was gonna come in over 22, 24 months. And they said, you're gonna see um, 10, 15% of that just drop off and not come in. But if you can hit like 85, 90% of that pledged amount, then that's success. And I just felt like God was saying to me like, no, no, that's not success. We're not gonna call that success. And so we were asking God, help us, inspire us to go beyond 100. And so every single month, first Sunday of the month, I've been giving you updates all last year. And we gave over 100% last year. We had our lowest giving month for the pledged amounts last year was 99%. We had one month where we were just a hair under. And I was tempted to just write a check myself, to just be like, I'm gonna do this, push it over, you know? And so we were all doing what we could, but we averaged last year on our pledged amount, 124% of what we said we were gonna give. And so we gave more than we planned, which is incredible. It's incredible. So everyone's asking now, now we know how much came in, what are we going to do about it? Well, I wanna give you a couple other indicators of health and we're gonna celebrate. And I wanna give us an opportunity to ask God to answer our impossible prayers. Because what we're seeking to do here seems impossible. We're trying to do something that we don't have enough money for without enough support. And all the data was saying it'll be this much. And yet we're seeing over and over and over and over again, God doing a work in our hearts to do something bigger and better. Here's what happened. Not only did we have over 100% participation, our all year, new people started joining Christ Church and contributing to One Life on top of supporting us regularly, all year. And our number of individual con contributors grew from 143 to 212 last year. People are literally just showing up and jumping in and at all of these unpledged gifts that came in. Now, this means that year to date, instead of being at the 50% mark, we are at 62% of the pledges have come in. 
which is incredible. Huge, huge head start. Now, people always come and go. So just as much as we've grown, which we've grown by almost 30% in attendance, and as much as the givings come up, and as new people have been a part of the One Life Initiative, other people have left. And so when people leave and they let us know they're leaving for various reasons, we obviously are going to make a note of that. And we saw a dip. We saw $43,000 in unfulfilled One Life pledges because of people departing for various reasons. And so that went down. And that just happens, right? But what happened that we weren't expecting was that all of those new people who came and started contributing, they gave $181,000 last year that was not a part of the One Life Initiative a year ago today. Isn't that incredible? That's just amazing to me. So as of today, we have $251,000 of pledged dollars that have yet to come in and that we are expecting to come in over the course of 2022 and until this time, 2023. So that's where we're at. And based on that remaining pledged amount and the type of activity that we've seen this last year, we can't really measure exactly, but a safe projection is going to be somewhere between $971,000 and $1.1 million. This is the little church that could, brothers and sisters. If we can cross a million, that would be like mind blown without any six-figure gifts. Just incredible. So I want to let you know, while God has done a miracle, and it's a miracle that he's done in a million places, do you realize that? This wasn't like, there's, there's no way to coerce this. There's no way to create this. This is something that God has to do in individuals' hearts to be generous to this degree, and then to do that all together, and then to do that beyond what was even pledged. And so this is incredible to me. I hope it's incredible to you. And I want to let you know what we as a church have done in the meantime. Now, um, we started making double mortgage payments I've told you this before, but we, we lead Christ Church with a minimal staff. Churches our size typically will have eight to 12 staff members, and we have four, four staff members and, so, and, and a part-time person. So we have five people on staff total. We keep our staff overhead between 35 and 40% of our budget, which is very, very, very low. Part of the reason we do that is because our mission as a church is to mobilize every member. We're not trying to create a staff person to do everything in the church. We're trying to let our staff people equip and lead people to go out into the community and be who God made them to be. Do you know it? And so you are the staff. Did you not know that when you came here this morning? You are the staff. The other reason we do that is because we are committed to radical generosity and funding ministry and mission here locally and abroad. And so we give away minimally 10% every year, but we've never had a year where we only gave away 10%. And so we wanna be a generous church to our ministry partners like Salty Family Services and Open Doors Counseling Network and Resources Room and Grace House and all the places where God's given us a connection with people who are doing ministry that we can't ourselves do. And so we are going to make sure we have the overhead to fund ministry, amen? And we want to be really conservative. We don't want to go into a year needing to have more money coming in than we can project, which people do that in business all the time. And people do that with churches. We're, not, we're never going to do that. We always project less than we had the year before. And that means we always have a surplus to work with, which means we're always ready to be generous when God says act. And so what we started doing two years ago with the surplus is we started doubling our mortgage payment, knowing that we would have to get to a place where we'd have to borrow more and we didn't want to have to jump to a place where we couldn't reach that initially. So we were making $5,000 a month with our mortgage payment for this facility. And now we've been paying $10,000 a month and we have the budget now to go to 15, which means that we have the ability very easily to afford the two and a half million dollars that it would take for us to actually build this building, which I'm going to show you in just a moment. So we are ready and we can afford it. The other thing that we've done is um, we immediately paid for a 
equity line of credit that we had that we used to do all this renovation in the first two years of our church. When we started, um, there were 79 humans. Half of them were under 12, and I think we counted someone's dog. <laughs> and so this church, which we inherited, which was an incredible blessing. Some of you are here because you were looking for a church with a building that's not in a school. I mean, just be honest. And so the fact that we were able to start Christ Church with a building from a previous ministry of people who gave sacrificially for this church to exist was a major blessing. But it also came with a mortgage that we were then responsible to pay. Do you understand? And so at the time, it, the building needed a lot of renovation, lights, video, all the stuff to get us online. The carpet was shot. Remember the parking lot? Anybody here long, long enough to remember when it rained like today that the parking lot would be a swamp thing out there? We'd be, there'd be accidents, people stuck. We'd be pulling people out with a van. And so we didn't want to ask this new and growing church to, to put all this money together and we had all this equity. So we borrowed it. We did everything we needed to do. Well, we were already immediately able to pay that whole thing off, which saved us $16,500 in interest last year. will save us another $16,500 in interest this year. And so we're $33,000 into the good for the One Life Initiative just from interest savings. Isn't that awesome? Super cool. So that is what we have done in the meantime. And we are working to create a facility that's going to allow us to expand and grow to the place where we have the momentum to be a church planting church um, and, and also not have services go on forever and ever and ever. So that's what we're trying to do. And hopefully we are able to figure out what we need to build and be able to afford it. And it looks like God is moving. So I think that is going to happen. So we have uh, chosen a design builder and we have come up with a design that is 11 and a half thousand square feet and seats almost 600 adults and has an enormous lobby and not like the little choked out dog leg lobby that you guys get jammed in every Sunday on the way in and the way out. So here's a picture um, of what we're looking at. So you can see the scale from our current facility on the right and the building is gonna be directly left in the field to the north and they'll be connected in three places with a covered awning and there's a floor plan as well. I know you guys can't see this long enough to inspect it the way that you want to, um, but ample bathrooms, storage, all the stuff that you would need in this facility and it's gonna be built just to the north. And we are nearing the phase where we can go to the county um, to get a preliminary numbers that we need to then have an owner's budget and then go to the bank. Our bank, who is a ministry partner, not just a lender, um, is um, working with us to open and close the construction loan now while rates are low. So we're gonna redo the whole loan and then have access to all that money. We won't pay any money on the money until we've actually borrowed it, but it'll let us avoid all the rate hikes that are coming. Isn't that awesome? And so we're doing everything we can to not only be conservative and responsible, but also to be able to have uh, a mortgage that we can not only afford monthly, but can pay for in seven to 10 years and not 20. We don't wanna be in debt perpetually. Do you know that? And so all of this can happen just with the level of support we have now, which means we don't need any new growth, new people, new support for us to manage this in a responsible way for the distant future. And that, brothers and sisters, is what God has put in our heart. And I am so grateful to say that that is what Christ Church has done in the One Life Initiative. Amen. And so thank you. Thank you for every single one of you that has chosen to participate. We couldn't have done it without you. Now, the question then becomes, um, what now? What now? So there's three things that we need. We need people to start up, step up, and stay in. Maybe you've been hanging out at Christ Church. You feel like this is where you're supposed to be. Uh, well, you joined a church with a building project already in progress, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. 
And so if you're here, you're serving, you're contributing regularly, prayerfully consider if, if and how God would have you partner in this initiative as well and join the, those who have joined us last year and for these second half of these 12 months in front of us, um, be a part of the One Life Initiative, start up. Second thing is uh, step up. Maybe some of you are here and uh, you committed and you've been fulfilling that commitment, but you have the capacity to do more. This happened to Tiffany and I, and I'll just share briefly. Um, last year, we did not know how we were gonna participate. You remember me talking about selling my car in order to participate? Like we didn't know how it was gonna happen, um, but we felt like God told us the number he wanted us to give, which was way bigger than what we could have imagined. Uh, he, he told us, okay, this is the kickoff amount. We wrote the biggest check for us. Now, some of you have done way bigger than this, but for us, it was the biggest check we'd ever written. It was $2,800 at kickoff. And then to commit to $300 a month for 24 months to get us to $10,000 as a family. And to us, that was like next to impossible. And so that's what we decided to do. And we were thinking peanut butter sandwiches and beans and rice till August in order to make that happen. But as we obeyed God and did that, amazing things happened for us last year. We had an investment opportunity that had a great yield, better than anything we could have imagined and new income stream. Tiffany started working full-time, which it's been hard. It's not been easy, but we've actually been able to completely fulfill our one life commitment in year one already. We were able to write the last check in December to fulfill our entire $10,000 in one year. We never could have imagined that happening ever. And I sold my car. So now we're asking, okay, God, how do you want us to step up? What are we going to be able to do in this next year? So maybe that's you. And then lastly, maybe you're here and you're like, I'm doing, I can barely keep my head above water, but I'm committed. All I'm asking is to stay in. Don't give up. When you hear good news like this, sometimes if it's really hard for you right now, there can be this tendency to go, oh, it's fine. They don't need my help anymore. And that is not the case. We have good news because we have your help. Can I get an Amen. This is not the time for everybody who's having a hard time to bail. Oh, well, the Lord's blessing them. Let them take care of my part. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. And part of the reason is that God is doing a work in you, not just through you. Do you know that? I don't know how long it takes. Some of us, it takes longer than others. Can I get an amen? Anybody here got to learn the hard way? Anybody? Sure has been me from time to time. And so maybe for you, it's start up. Maybe for you, it's step up. Maybe for you, it is stay in. And I'm sure all of you are asking as we get real numbers and, and real commitments and the plans come together and it's time to sign paperwork, will there be a gap and how will we close it? And we don't know that gap exactly yet. We will soon, next probably 60 to 90 days. We'll let you know what that is. We'll prayerfully consider how we're gonna deal with that if it comes up. Um, but I, I, with everything that I see right here, it shows me that God is, is moving in powerful ways. I feel like he's showing off a little bit. I feel like he's going, watch what I can do without what the consultants say that you need to make it happen. And so I'm excited to see what he's gonna do uh, for each of us and how we're going to do something to make a difference for people who right now have no desire to be in church, who right now everything's going fine for them. There's people in our community right now who are talking about playing golf and not going to church. They're making wings for the big game tonight, but they're gonna hit a wall in April, in June, in August. Someone's gonna die. They're gonna get a diagnosis. There's gonna be a moment of crisis. And brothers and sisters, we are the people who God has dispatched into this community to say, let me pray for you. Let me give you good news. Let me bring you to the God who answers impossible prayers. Why don't you come and sit next to me in church? And yes, there is room because we just added a service. And I am serving in kids' church next service. This is what we exist to do, amen?
So I have every reason to think that God is going to help us and answer these prayers, but we will keep you informed. Now, I want to turn your attention back to the passage I read at the close of worship, 1 John 5, 11 to 15. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who speaks? I've always had a hard time with John because John writes different than everybody else. He's not really linear or logical. He's kind of artistic and sees the relationship between things. And if you read back before verse 11, he talks about how God spoke. He spoke through the water and the blood and the spirit. The Passion Translation uh, brings out the meaning of those things by saying he has testified at the baptism of Jesus through the water when God the Father's voice was heard and the Spirit descended like a dove on the Son of God and everyone around heard, behold my Son with whom I am well pleased. God is the God who speaks, do you know it? And he has testified not only in the waters of Jesus' baptism, but through the blood of his cross, when the infinite son of God died in place of sinful man so that in him we could be rescued, ransomed, healed, and forgiven. Can I get amen? And when the spear went through his side and his blood poured out and his death was certain and he was lowered from the cross and into the grave, God's wrath for sin was absorbed and absolved and forgiveness could be proclaimed in the name of Jesus. And he proved his power to forgive and to transform when on the third day as prophesied, he got up out of the grave and ascended to heaven where he reigns forevermore. And brothers and sisters, that's my king. Is that your king? That's who we came here to sing to and about. Can I get amen? And he's been doing impossible things for people and in people ever since that day. Do you know it? And the fact that this church exists is because our story is a testimony of what God has done. Do you know that? And because you are here and not somewhere else, it's a testimony of what God has done. And that we are gonna make room for people who don't want to be here and don't know they need eternal life yet is because of what God has done. You see, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. Some of you are here this morning and you are literally terminal in your body. But the reality is, is that we are all terminal in our body. Do you know the mortality rate on humanity is 100%? It's all just a matter of timing, isn't it? But this is the testimony that God gave us. You know what he spoke over you? You're gonna live forever. You're gonna have life in my name. You're not only going to live in this life, but you are gonna live in the life to come because there's a resurrected Jesus, there will be a resurrected you. And that is the testimony that by faith we have received. Do you know it? And God's not a liar. He said it at Jesus' baptism. He demonstrated it in the cross of Jesus. And when the spirit came, He not only testified to the power of God and his disciples in the first century, but that same spirit resides in every single one of us and we have become a witness to the power of God in here. You know, I have passion and willingness to preach to you every Sunday because I know who I would be if it wasn't for what God has said. Do you know it? I know where I would be and it's not here. I almost didn't come back from vacation. I didn't, I was praying for asymptomatic COVID. Let it be positive, Lord. I need sanitary quarantine, 10 more days. I got insurance for this, I'm serious. 
And that's the sanctified version of me. You know where I would be right now if it wasn't for the work of Jesus? Not here. You know what I would care about if it wasn't for the work of Jesus on the inside of me? Not you. I was really preoccupied with myself for a long time before God ever called me to be a shepherd of the thing, people he cares about the most. Do you know it? And so God gave us a testimony and that testimony is eternal life. God made you to live. Every time I get a chance to do a funeral, I tell everyone there, the reason this hurts so bad and feels so wrong is because God made us to live. But he died to death so that we could live to life. And that's the testimony of God, eternal life. That's why we're doing all this, brothers and sisters. It's not about a church or a building or avoiding services or something for us or for our children. This project is because the testimony of God is eternal life. And there are people out there who are on a course for eternal destruction. Do you know that? And so this is why we're doing this. But listen, there's more to it than that. Do you know that God has spoken eternal life to you and for you? Look at verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. Someone say that you may know. Do you know that you brought some things to church this morning? You're like, yeah, my Bible, my nephew, or my husband. You also brought your worries. You brought your fears. You brought your anxiety. You brought your hope. You brought your faith. You brought your troubles, your pain, your hurts, those old wounds, all those things you brought with you. But did you know that because you have received the testimony of God, you brought with you eternal life also up in this house? Part of the reason it's so amazing and mystical and spiritual and powerful when we gather is that we all bring the deposit of our faith and the presence of the Holy Spirit and our gift of eternal life into this space and it resonates off of each other and we encounter God in a new and unique way every time we gather because you received the testimony of God, eternal life, and you brought that life in here. You brought that hope in here and we hope as we get all that together, it gets hotter and burns brighter and we leave more hopeful and more strengthened in our faith because of what we brought in here and what God did while we met with them. And so something's got to happen. John's writing that you would know what you already have. Do you realize this? He wants you to be blown away by what you already have. And it has a result for you too. Look at verse 14. This is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know that God hears every prayer of yours? Everyone, everyone. I have the unique ability to tune out my children. It's true, it's just true. You can walk in my house and I'll be doing something and you'll hear this, dad, 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 dad. And I know that this happens because my wife says, do you hear them? Anybody else have that magical spiritual gift? Just tuning them out. So she says, uh, do you hear them? And I say, I hear you. This is really all that matters anyway, right? Do you, do you, stop judging me, you guys. Come on, seriously. 
give a guy a break, right? I got four kids, it never stops, right? Sometimes they all go to bed and at nine o'clock, we just sit on the couch and stare at the wall. Just abject silence, like, do you hear that? No, me neither, ah. So, so dad, 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 dad. Do you know that right now there's eight billion people on this planet? And God hears every single prayer from every broken heart, every single time. There is not a prayer that you have prayed that has fallen on deaf ears. And some of those prayers, you've never even had enough strength, confidence, hope, faith to put words to them. And they have only come in the form of heartache and hope against hope. And God heard those too. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Some of you came to church today with sickness in your body, with a heartache. You don't know if it'll ever go away. With a hopelessness about the future, and a nostalgia about the past. Some of you are preoccupied with anxiety. Some of us came to church today just angry, feeling like things will never change or get better. Some of you dragged yourself into church today almost hopeless. And John wants you to know And I want you to know that you have a God who gave you eternal life. And it's not just so that you go to heaven when you die. It is so you become a bearer of that which is truly life and truly light and truly powerful. And what comes along with that eternal life is a confidence that your God hears your every cry and is eager to answer your impossible prayers. Now, here's two things I know about God. He can do anything. He can speak eternity into existence. He can deliver you. There is nothing he can't do. Do you know that? And so we should ask him for anything. But I also know that sometimes the thing he does is not to answer the prayer you pray, but to give you something that you never thought to ask for that gives you the ability to push through what seems like the impossible. And either way, he gets the glory and we get a testimony of eternal life. And so I wanna take a few minutes this morning and I wanna pray. I wanna pray for you. We're gonna take communion together. The ushers are gonna go get the the communion elements and bring them in here. We're gonna take communion together because brothers and sisters, at the center of what God has given us is the person of Jesus. It's a covenant that we've been welcomed into. You know, the reason you have hope for eternal life is because Jesus already died for you. Do you know that this makes death not your final destination, but your last doorway? Do you know that your relationship through Jesus with God gives you God as father who is listening to everything and has power over it. And he will answer the prayers that you pray. 
And if he provides an answer in his wisdom that is other than the specific thing you're asking for, you can expect that what God is gonna do for you is gonna give you power to go through beyond surpassing the very thing that you think your answer requires. And so we are going to receive from God what he has given to us in the form of the Lord's Supper. The cups are stacked. Do you guys see that? This is the new, this is the new COVID communion stack right here. Remember the days when we used to shuffle with one finger through the little bowl in the middle to find the biggest cracker because you didn't eat breakfast? You're like, where's that big cracker? I mean, I have that big one right there. Those days are gone. Never again. No more digging. Now we got these circular size. Oh no, we got a little, what do we got in here? Little hexagons. Sometimes we get the ones that are slightly too big and they don't fit. And then we got this little calamity of communion. Anyway, all, all this is for your safety and, and we're going to take these together. You'll see there are two cups, grab them both. You know that God is near us by his Holy Spirit. He's chosen to make his home within our hearts. But he also gives us the Lord's Supper as a sacrament. For, for ages, for centuries, our church fathers believed that Jesus became physically present in these elements. If you grew up in a tradition like that, if you were Catholic, there was a belief, a fundamental belief that the elements physically became Jesus. What I love about that, that impulse is the reality of the presence of God among his people, that he gave us this meal, this substance to, with our faith to, to bring in, to ingest, to receive something that's physically real as a reminder of what we've received that's spiritually real. And do you know that the eternal life that God gave to us, his testimony, is as real in our spirits as these elements are in our bodies? Do you know that? And so we commemorate, celebrate, and proclaim our Lord's death until he comes. So if you have the elements, would you, would you hold them up like this? I'm gonna ask God's rich blessing upon them. God, we, we thank you that you have given us this sacrament to remember you, that your body was broken so that ours could be healed, that your blood was shed so that we could come into a covenant and not a contract, that you have both created and fulfilled this relationship in Jesus and by faith we simply receive it. God, I pray for every person who's this morning maybe is even afraid to pray that impossible prayer, to speak the words out loud. God, thank you that your testimony that you have given to us is eternal life. And this life is in your son. And we ask your blessing on these elements that they would strengthen our faith as a reminder of your nearness. And they would be a tangible representation of the death of Jesus that we proclaim as we await his return. Let's take the bread. The team's gonna lead us in a closing song. And I wanna challenge you this morning. We're celebrating some small financial wins and movements toward our goals. And that's great, nothing wrong with that at all. But what God wants to do in our community and in our church and in our hearts is a miracle. And it's not just the miracle of your salvation that happened one time when you asked God to forgive you. 
It's miracle after miracle after miracle. It's transformation after transformation after transformation. It's change after change after change. It's victory after victory after victory. And I want to challenge you, if you came in this morning praying an impossible prayer, to, during this song, get up out of your seat and come down here in this space in between the stage and the first row and to bring your prayer to God in real time in this moment. I'm going to challenge you. I know sometimes you're like, nope, not going to do it. I do not get out of my seat in church until it's time to leave. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. No one's going to push you over. There's not going to be any antics. But it means something when we engage our faith and we go to God who listens with our prayer. And I hope you have a little bit more expectation for God to answer something that maybe you thought was never going to happen.